Hello, I'm Dr. Steph Mulcahy and welcome to Growing With Grit. From working on a cattle station in Outback Australia to building my own practice as an aesthetic physician and dentist, I've learnt that people's stories of transformation can become our own best sources of motivation. Through my story and stories shared by my trailblazing, industry-destructing guests, I hope to put a fire in your belly so you can unapologetically strive towards the life and career you want. Consider me your mentor, here to lead the way and give you practical tools and actionable steps to achieve your wildest dreams in business and in life. Tune in each week as we take the leap together. Welcome back to Growing With Grit. I'm Dr. Steph Mulcahy and in today's episode, we're shifting gears to explore a topic that resonates as work-life ideal with so many of us. How to make life simpler by working smarter and not harder. Joining me is Shane Davis, my business coach and mentor. Shane is also a self-proclaimed reformed workaholic. Shane is a multifaceted healthcare entrepreneur, podiatrist and co-founder of Clinic Mastery Coaching. He has a wealth of experience creating positive workplace environments and is a no-nonsense communicator which helps business owners, including myself, grow with grit. Shane has journeyed from the intense hustle of his early career to mastering the art of a balanced, fulfilled life. Today, we'll dive into his insights on life by design, breaking free from the work harder mantra and embracing strategies for a simpler, more rewarding life. Get ready for an enlightening conversation that might just change your approach and work life. You'll come away with invaluable insights that will help you foster balanced and productive workforce without losing the fun and spontaneity key to attracting and keeping talent in a competitive labour market. How are you, Shane? Going well, Steph, and thank you. Big uh, big shoes to fill in that intro, but uh, looking forward to speaking with you today. Definitely fill the shoes quite well. So I'm going to start off with a question. Um, can you share a journey from being a hard workaholic to advocating for working smarter? It's a very good question. A good question to kick us off. Um, and in speaking with and working with a lot of business owners, particularly those who have started their business themselves, uh, I hear stories similar to mine a lot in working seven days, in also eating dinner and then going back to doing the website or building out a Google site or building another system or documentation. Uh, and yeah, especially the early days of starting our business and businesses, there was a lot of work. There was a lot of hustle. And I think it was, it was hard. Uh, did a lot of hard things and I don't necessarily say it's a bad thing, but over time, my journey has evolved. I think the catalyst for that was really coaching for me. Um, I have got coaching for about the last 12 to 13 years. I still get coached and it was a, it was a great catalyst for me, particularly to look at where, where we are going. I say we, uh, flick my wife and I, where we're going, um, not only professionally in our business, but, but personally, where are we going? And so that evolution over time from that workaholic, uh, as you described, uh, working every hour of the day um, to make things happen in our, our business to being a lot more purposeful with not only when we work, but how we work. Yeah, and what we're working on has definitely been a, a journey for me over time to, to where we are today. And 
uh, I feel very fortunate to help other business owners like you and uh, in different stages of their journey really to be able to uh, live their life on purpose, not just their work life, but yeah, live their overall life on purpose as well. So I'm sure you have uh, a similar journey and, and a, we're all on a journey, right? And I don't think it's it ever stops, but um, yeah, probably similar to yourself on the journey that you're on. Yeah, I think, yeah, similar. So upon reflection, I've shared this previously, but it turns out I actually bought a job and not a business, which I think a lot of people do, whether they're actually buying an existing business or starting their own. And unfortunately, from one point of view, it is a little bit of a cycle or a stage of of business ownership. And from the point of view where when you're beginning, you can't, you don't have a lot of, you know, every dollar counts. So you can't always afford to outsource things or to employ more people. And Mm. you do have to do it yourself. But I think that part of that journey also helps to make then later on be able to stepping back and empowering other people to do it. It can be difficult in the beginning to let go of that control, but also you understand that you can't continue on the way that you're doing and you also have a bit of knowledge on what they're trying to achieve and so you're able to guide them and help them in a way that they might have more different strengths than what you do and so they're actually probably better suited to that particular task than what you are but you do understand what they're doing so you're able to oversee it and make sure that it is going in the direction that you want it to go. Definitely. And I know you're in the, uh, say, in the thick of it at the moment, but being able to to plan not only your work life and whether that be a business plan or a yearly plan, 90-day plan, however, we do have plenty in our business. But, um, yeah, I really love to hear even your journey in being able to be purposeful around your overall life plan. I know certainly... Uh, one of the catalysts for me was not only looking at planning my business life, but looking at those other eight to nine areas of our life. Yeah, that really help us to a feel good, but b live on purpose. Yeah, and so someone said to me once, like, "Why are you doing this? And what's your overall? What are you trying to achieve?" And yeah. apart from the fact of obviously, from a business perspective, is helping your patients and you know, those sort of things as a clinician, but also from a business owner is to be able to offer your family what your version of success is and the life that you want to live. But in that moment, I was nowhere near the life that I wanted to live in the fact that, as you said before, I was working almost pretty much 24-7. You know, you wake up in the middle of the night, write down. Right. And... <laughs> Thank you. Um And so it was reflecting back on what I actually wanted to achieve and then trying to make sure that I was reflecting that rather than that just being something distant in the future that I wanted to sort of achieve down the track. What does working smarter and not harder mean to you in practical terms? Uh, In practical terms, I, as you well know, Steph, I really enjoy frameworks. Um, And the framework of being able to break I'll say the tasks that I have in it on any particular day or in any particular week into a $50 task, a $500 task, and a $5,000 task. And I should say $50 an hour, $500 an hour, and $5,000 an hour task. Um, helps me to prioritize what are those things that 
only I can do or only uh, I can contribute to. What are those things? And being able to have a look at my to action list or my to-do list and being able to prioritize them really clearly with what are those high value actions on my task list? Because it's as much about what we say no to as what we say yes to. Yeah, and if you're saying no or yes to something, what are you saying no to to be able to do that? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think one of the shifts that, that I've certainly have had to make over time is being able to get good at saying no to, to things, but more specifically to people. I, I enjoy people and it's hard to say no to people, but at the same time, what I'm not saying no to enables me to say yes to something that is more important. So yeah, that having that framework of the $50 per hour task, $500 per hour task and $5,000 per hour task enables me to A, prioritize what I should be working on, but B, and probably more importantly, what can I be delegating? What can I be delegating or getting someone else to do either internally within our team or organization or externally by another provider? Yeah. And that's something that recently I've become quite good at as well is outsourcing a bit more. And again, like not only within the team, but also empowering the team to be able to outsource themselves. So um, my practice manager at the moment is working on a new system within the business and I've encouraged her to outsource part of that to something like Upwork where she can enable them to make the videos or put presentations together, the things that we have all the resources for, but she doesn't necessarily have the time to do. And so that's made it a lot more efficient as well. And I've actually seen that one of the presentations that Grace was putting together and just seeing the quality of the presentation, it's yeah. going to be so much better than what you or I put together on a Sunday afternoon uh, on Canva, yeah, what they're definitely. able to come back with from Upwork or what's sourced externally is from a quality perspective, um, yeah, definitely going to be so much more in line with what we want to produce. Yeah, exactly. And so how do you balance professional ambitions with your personal well-being? Uh, so oh, I think I definitely don't have it nailed. I'm not a guru, but I really resonate with, yeah, essentially Stephen Covey wrote a book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm. And one of the uh, one of the habits in that book is start with the end in mind. Yeah. And one of the exercises he gets you to do or us to do is to write your own eulogy, um, which, is a bit, which is a bit black, to be honest, a bit dark. <laughs> I write your own funeral speech. But so my version of it, you know, towards positive way is write, writing down what I want my friends to say about me at my 90th birthday. Yeah, that's the positive being way. able to, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully a bit, a, a bit brighter than um, writing my own eulogy. Um, <laughs> also a good activity to do. But um, yeah, being able to, uh, I'll say, write that down really helped me to understand what's actually important to me, what's important to us, and what are those things that are actually going to make me happy? What are those things that I want said about me uh, at the end of my journey? And so... Uh, yeah, for me, that, that is that I'm an active, positive, generous, grateful, open-minded, action-taking human. And so uh, I'm definitely not perfect. And uh, yeah, but at the same time, I reflect on those things each day as a framework for how I've uh, played out in that particular day. 
um, and whether they're an acknowledgement of what I have done or an aspiration to what I need to be better at uh, tomorrow. Uh, that definitely helps me as a, as a framework. So, um, yeah, and I know you're going through a, a similar journey. Like we're never done in this yeah. space, but being able to start that journey, hopefully like you have over the last uh, yeah, six to 12 months in particular, uh, I've seen so much growth just in, in you and A, your ability to take action, but, uh, but B, in understanding yourself and, and Dan and the business more and, and what you want to achieve as mm. well. It's a bit of an infinite game, isn't it? Um, I feel like... Good book that one, by the way. What was that, sorry? Good book that one. Good that book that one as well. <laughs> Simon Sinek. Um, yeah. I think also too is being able to create an environment, which is something that I've spoken to you about in the past, but that to ensure that you're on the same page as your partner or husband or wife, because I at times thought that, you know, maybe he didn't want me to, not didn't want me, but wasn't on the same page as what I was in terms of where I wanted to take the business. But when we sat down and actually spoke about it in an open and honest conversation, he wants me to do whatever I want to do as long as um, we're doing it together and it's not one of us going on one path and, and the other going on another path. So I think being able to have those open conversations as well in a setting that um, creates positivity instead of um, predicting what the other person's going to think is also really yeah. important as well. And I think, again, another acknowledgement for you is in, being able to create the space for that to happen. Dedicate time is very easy for it to become a reactive on the couch type conversation, but being able to purposely create that space, create that time, even create the, the location to do that in is just as important really. Um, it shows how, how important it is um, to you and to Dan in this situation as well. I think this is something that's really important that a lot of business owners can sort of overlook or potentially miss. And it's something that can have such an impact on your ability to succeed or feel like you're um, reaching your goals. If you're not potentially fully happy at home because you're not on the same page or you don't think you're on the same page, um, it can have an impact on work or vice versa. So are you able to share maybe how someone might think about being able to have these conversations or um, start this process? It's a really good point, Steph, and I think we've spoken about this before, but people often spend more time planning their wedding day than they do planning their own life. And I say that purposefully and I, I create a bit of space, hopefully, uh, for the for the viewers and the listeners at home to let that sink in because being able to create the space and the time to be able to have the conversation with our, our partner and with ourselves about what is the life that we actually want to create? What are those things that are important to us? Uh, step one is just being able to dedicate the time, mm. carve out the time, how much time again, you've gone through this process. I, I, uh, yeah, I see so many people carving out lots of time to, to plan their wedding day and look at different venues, etc. But even as a starting point, being able to, to 
create some space, ideally outside of our home, ideally somewhere that's fresh, ideally somewhere that's in an open, abundant, different environment to be able to get deep on those different pillars of our life. So being able to get deep and aligned on health and fitness, what is important, what is important to us? What does life look like for us at a certain stage of the journey? And in terms of setting that life by design and that desire statement, often it can be helpful to look at a period in the t- of time in the future that is, that is meaningful and that the horizon is not too long. So that three, four, five year period is a nice timeline because we can see it. Yeah, it's almost there. But at the same time, it's not six months away. Yeah, we don't have to create all this change so quickly. So being able to have a look at health and uh, health and fitness, being able to have a look at our, our finances, being able to have a look at our career, being able to have a look at uh, our home or our living scenario, me time, holidays, being able to have a look at our contribution or what we do to give back, being able to have a look at relationship with life partner, what does that look like? Relationship with family and friends, like the different areas of life and those eight to nine different areas of our life that really contribute to our overall happiness. And so, again, you would have gone through this process. We did it together relatively recently, but being able to rate ourselves from one to 10 in each of those areas on where we're at now, can't use seven, obviously, because seven's like Switzerland. Um, (laughs) Yeah, rating ourselves from one to 10 in each of those areas helps us to identify what are some of those areas that we can create some action towards or some focus on. And can I just say also, like what you're doing so well is you're already taking action on these things anyway, Steph. Yeah. Like you're like, you're helped to trigger or be the catalyst for some of the specific actions that you are taking, you have taken um, for you, but then also for your team. Like this is not just about you. It's that positive ripple effect on everyone. Yeah. And if you're in a positive mindset, then you also, it's, like attracts like so if you're feeling happy and energized then nine times out of ten the people around you are feeling the same which it just fuels it and makes it stronger and the bond stronger which is really good so in our relationship I found it well probably I felt like I found it hard initially to be able to create create the right environment to have this conversation because you know you both work such long days Dan's gone by 6 a.m. Um, he doesn't get mm. home till 5 p.m. It's 40-odd degrees outside. He's exhausted. He doesn't want to sit down and have a deep and meaningful after work. And then on the weekend... <laughs> on the weekend, Joy is busy and, you know, you get distracted and then all of a sudden it's Monday again and you haven't had the conversation. And so um, I initially found it difficult because I was working it up into my head to be this big thing that I thought was going to be a huge conflict and then when we actually did have the conversation that was so much, we were so much more on the same page than what I even realised. So what I did was I actually got someone to help facilitate the conversation and it just took any potential bias out of the conversation where your tone might make your partner think that you're inferring to something else rather than what you're actually meaning and things like that. And so that actually really helped and as I said, it turns out we're on the same page the whole time. We just hadn't communicated it very clearly to each other. So that was nice. That was cool. Um, 
Shane, what fuels the old-fashioned notion of working hard as an end goal and what advice would you give someone struggling to step away from the work harder mindset? Uh, I keep going back to Stephen Covey, don't I? Uh, but, but I really do. Uh, I really do like that framework of starting with the end in mind and getting really specific uh, with goal setting and in particular around money and finances mm. and more specific to that is what will we do with that money? And I often see that that work harder mindset comes from wanting to create financial certainty because they, the business owner, whoever that is, doesn't necessarily have financial certainty may not have financial clarity and therefore their version of creating that certainty or creating that clarity is just to work harder. Yeah. There's just another to work point, harder that... um, psychology of money and it talks about yeah. like when have you reached your goal? So as what you're saying is usually you just keep on like your goal always changes and you never reach it. So Correct. Having that end goal in mind, as you've suggested, it means that you've actually got an endpoint instead of an endless moving goalpost that you can never achieve. Absolutely. And, and like uh, you're going through the process of at the moment, being able to have that life by design, understand and being able to reverse engineer how much things actually cost into then what do I need to do or do we need to do to be able to create that as an outcome for ourselves. Mm. And I was... Uh, probably boring as this sounds as, as part of our life by design, we reverse engineered how much we need to be putting aside now for school fees. Yeah. You know, our, our eldest, we've got four young boys and our eldest is in grade two at the moment, but we're putting away school fees for Ollie, who's now one. Um, yeah. Through until he's in year 12 as the example. So just being able to get really practical around money is just a vehicle. Yeah. But really what's going to be able to create that outcome of the happiness for us is being able to, again, execute on those uh, various areas of, of our life. Yeah, definitely. And not working so hard to have all this potential money but then not doing anything with it or, Correct. yeah, creating the life that you want to create with it. So in our life by design, by, by being able to create what Dan and I wanted personally and then I was able to sort of, gear the business to be able to achieve that professionally but one of the biggest things for me was trying to be more proactive in the way that I scheduled things and that first started with just the book so as I did this back when before I did aesthetics but when I was just doing dentistry previously I'd see 18 or 20 patients a day every half an hour I'd have a different patient from 8 till 6 p.m minus lunch when I was on lunch, I was doing emails and all the other things that a business owner did because I didn't. It's HR. Anything. Yeah, HR, exactly. I'd mentor people in my lunch break and I didn't actually have not only time for myself but also time scheduled to do the business stuff. So that was all after hours. Um, so the first thing that I did was design my book, my clinical book, in a way that reflected not only that I could work when I was at my strongest. So for example, booking those high intensity appointments that you really need to focus on 
earlier in the day or straight after lunch or also appointments that, you know, you might get a bit frazzled if you're running late going into, so you book them straight after a, a break so you know that you're starting them on time. I did that and avoided booking things like, for example, three toothaches in a row. You don't know what really you're going to get until they get in the door. So you can't really predict what the appointment is going to entail. And often they can run longer because it might be something completely different to what we preempted on the phone that the appointment may be. So trying to not book all those appointments at the same time so it doesn't snowball and have a bit of a domino effect with your calendar. But the best thing that came out of it was I was able to proactively budget and predict the income that was going to come in from the practice. And then I was able to determine, you know, if I was if I could buy certain equipment at certain times or be able to put on new team members and things like that rather than reactively doing it after the money's in the account, but you don't really know what's going to come in in the future. So not only from a clinical perspective, but then also I started scheduling in time where I could work on the business instead of after hours and also mentoring not only you and Susie, my other dermal practice mentor, but also me being able to mentor my team members in a scheduled time instead of ad hoc when we could fit it in. So that made a big difference. So Shane, how do you manage time effectively to ensure work doesn't consume your personal life and vice versa? How do you motivate yourself to get refocused um, when you've just come back after a period of leisure or a holiday? Something I'm quite passionate about, a mentor and colleague of mine once put it to me to make sure of the outcome of every holiday is to make sure I've got the next holiday planned. <laughs> and beyond, beyond that, beyond that, what he actually does um, this is Jack O'Brien as well from Clinic Mastery. What he does is to map out his whole year as far as their, their holidays uh, and the way that they look. That doesn't take away the spontaneity. He still has, uh, yeah, the spontaneity and, and same uh, we do as well. But being able to be really purposeful with that, I'll say, R&R time yeah. so that when we come back, we are we are refreshed, we are relaxed. And so I know for me, um, I need to be able to have enough time away that that I feel that passion and I'm ready to, to come back because I do get that feeling. When, after I've had enough time off, I want to be back at work. Yeah. And I think being able to, they say the absence makes the heart grow fonder, and I would say that is true of work as well. And so being, for me, being away enough or having enough appropriate breaks scheduled for me in our life with our family helps me to come back energized and refreshed and ready to go so uh, being purposeful around that I, I also say from a week to week perspective outside of holidays a real level up uh, and iteration that um, yeah that I've executed on and that I'd say is a, is a good practical tip for everyone out there we often diarize and plan our work schedule but we don't often diarise or plan our home or personal schedule. And so rather than think of it as work-life balance, Robin Sharma describes it as life balance. Mm. It's just that life and work is a part of that. So being able to diarise what we're doing 
personally as what as well as what we're doing professionally at work helps us to prioritize those things yeah. i really i really enjoy those uh the 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 quote of you show me your diary i'll tell you what your priorities are yeah and i think that is true so that level up or that iteration um of being able to again prioritize personal time as well as professional time is something that definitely makes a difference as i'm sure you can share as well yeah i was gonna say that you actually really helped me with that because like for example i'm going away in january um and you said to me this is a few months ago now but have you put that in your calendar i said no (laughs) have you booked your flights no I just know that that's what we're going to do. And you said, well, you already know that you're going. You already know where you're going. So why haven't you blocked it off? Because it saves that, again, what we said before, that reactive behaviour in trying to then make sure that the diary is clear and everything like that. If you can book it out far enough in advance, then nothing ever gets booked in there. So you don't have to reschedule things and it just reduces the chaos around it as well. And from a personal point of view, it means that if I've got, for example, I'm heavily involved in the broom chamber, if I've got a chamber meeting or an after hours event on and I've got it written down, it means that Dan can plan to do whatever he wants to do on those nights because he knows that I'm not going to be home instead of him being home and then planning to do something when I'm there. So our diaries don't align and, you know, potentially we don't see each other much that week. So it's been really helpful from that point of view as well to make sure that we're both on the same page and we know what we've both got on. Definitely, definitely. I remember one of the times you you missed as well and I think he had golf on and you thought you were doing this. And one of the times you missed. And I I resonate with that because we all still make mistakes. If I can quickly share, on Friday we had... Uh, a guy from work, Ollie, his wedding um, on Friday. And I thought I'd booked my mum and dad to look after our four kids and Flick thought she'd, that I'd, I'd booked it <laughs> to mum and dad in. Neither of us had booked in mum and dad to, to look after four kids. So trying to reactively on the day, get get someone to look after four kids after school and cricket, running them here, there and everywhere was not an easy exercise. So we're definitely all human. I'm going to put my hand up as well. Yeah, and I think... What you suggested to me too is finding a method that works for you both. There's no point me using iCal on my phone if Dan doesn't use that or having it written down on the calendar in the kitchen if he's not going to check it. And I must say that he doesn't always check it, but at least now he knows that I've told him and it's on the calendar so he can't um, use that as an excuse to not know that something's on. You've got a system in place, which is which is the most important part. Exactly. Um, can you discuss a moment where you realised that working harder wasn't the answer? I suppose I'm shaped more by seeing seeing it over time in other business owners um, slash mentors, and knowing uh, that's not the outcome that I wanted. Mm. So. Uh, I am very grateful for having uh, first got coaching about 15 years ago, actually prior to the start of my business and our business, um, which has grown and evolved and we have around 
80 to 90 team members um, across multiple states and multiple locations. And uh, I'm super grateful for all the work that, that our team do. Um, but I suppose, again, I was shaped A, by the mentor and coaching that I uh, had from the start, but B, seeing uh, others work themselves into the ground for for what and having got had those uh frameworks and and knowing um the different those different areas of life and where they could be focusing you can see that there are 10 out of 10 for finances and career but probably a one or two out of 10 for family as an example where they weren't able to go to footy on their children or children's footy on the weekend because they were busy working earning money mm. or weren't what i would go away on holidays because I was so busy in the business. So for me, I think my experiences were shaped a lot by seeing what I don't want and therefore helping me to see and shape what I do want to a point where I am now surrounded by awesome humans like you who inspire me each day in this is the area that I want to uh, grow and this is what I'm doing to learn and grow over here as an example. And so being able to cherry pick and adopt uh, different things that different people are doing has definitely helped to evolve. Uh, yeah, I'll say my goal setting and, and yeah, that real clarity that working harder is definitely not the answer. How do you use Clinic Mastery to be able to teach business owners that philosophy probably on scale because you do have a number of clinics that you work with yeah we we do so um we started around seven to eight years ago now uh to be able to if we ask all clinic uh, clinic owners health clinic owners why do you do what you do it'll be a version of because i love helping people mm. and a lot of the business coaching out there was focused more on million dollar practice build this financially sustainable model whereas really that financial component is the result of creating yeah. those wow experiences for our clients, yeah, and our patients, number one, and secondly, for our team. They're the things that result in, I'll say, financial sustainability or profitability over yeah. time. So we saw an opportunity in that, uh, yeah, to be able to provide a business coaching slash mentoring service more specifically to health. And, yeah, yeah I'm proud that we've been able to grow that from nothing and no one and um yeah very much a startup to where we help over 300 uh, businesses actively mostly across australia but uh sprinkling across the the rest of the world as well uh, is where we are now so when i first left university i worked in a practice where i had really good um clinical skills i was able to develop my clinical skills quite a lot for a couple of reasons one because it was remote so there's not a lot of specialists around, uh, which meant that unless the patient could afford to travel to Perth and pay for accommodation and specialist treatment, it wasn't usually an option for them. So even though we'd advise them that it would be better off that they saw a specialist, most people would say, I can't get down there. Can you just try? Knowing that we can only do the best that we can do and that I'm not a specialist. So clinically I was able to really grow, but 
from a leadership point of view, I didn't really align with the values of the previous business owner or the current business owner of that business, my my previous workplace. And so I wanted to be able to create an environment that I enjoyed coming to work, that the team really enjoyed being there as well and to empower others to play to their strengths and not sort of have that hierarchical um, type of leadership that is quite common in the medical industry in particular. And so that's that led me to purchase the practice, which I've told you about before. However, mm-hmm. again, you don't know what you don't know. And so I purchased this practice, which had a great culture, but I wanted to then change the systems and procedures and think ways that we did things. And then all of a sudden the team who were used to doing a certain task a certain way for the last 20 years were expected to do something different. And then that created some difficulty with, with the values alignment as well. And so it was then again about not, what you know, but who you know, and being able to surround yourself with people that are able to help you and inspire you and put those systems in or help you put those systems in place to achieve what you want to achieve. And so after discussing with another healthcare professional of mine, a friend of mine, she's actually in a completely different industry to me, but she had um, or is working with Clinic Mastery and, and has had some really positive things to say about clinic mastery and so I looked into it a little bit and found out that Shane had a similar communication style to me so quite direct no nonsense Um, I don't like to put a lot of fluff on things I just say as it is and yeah obviously try not to to offend people and and um say it in a way that they will resonate with but also if you don't communicate with someone then how are they supposed to understand where you're coming from or what you're trying to achieve so I met Shane and I realized that we did well I felt that we we would work well together that we had the same sort of values as well and so given the similar communication styles and a similar value set we're able to, well, Shane's been able to help me achieve a lot of things that I wasn't able to do prior to coming on board. So that's been really helpful. And I think Steph, uh, to acknowledge you, um, I think that the reason that I look forward to our Monday morning session is because we do have that values alignment and you are an open-minded, generous, grateful, uh, action-taking human and you'll literally get it done and it's awesome and so that to be able to have that uh that connection relationship from a mentee and a mentor is just so important and i think the things that i see in uh the in the best like what what do the best do uh the best are on a lifelong journey they're not looking for a, a silver bullet but It's rather a journey of growth and learning. And what I see in you and what I certainly have as a value myself is that I continue to invest in myself. You continue to invest in 
in yourself, in me, in clinic mastery, but outside of that, you continue to invest in yourself and your uh, growth and learning, your learning journey. So you can compress that time between where you are and where you you want want to be slash need to be for your team, for your business, for you and Dan um, as a partnership and a family. And so I really resonate with that. And I think um, there's a nice message out there for, for everyone else in choosing the right mentor. It's very much a, a partnership, yes, in who they are and what they've done. But importantly, I think the connection that you, you have uh, as well. Yeah. I just also would like to note that I did have a mentor prior to Shane and Susie um, that again, had great technical skills and every resource and things like that they gave was useful, but our personalities didn't really align. And so, um, as I said- And that's okay, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. And as I said previously, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And if you don't resonate with the person that's helping you or trying to teach you, then there's other people that can do the same thing. Yeah. So Shane, that leads me to a really important question. How has your definition of success changed over the years? Uh, I think, Steph, my definition of success, I would like to describe it as, as it's evolved over time rather than changed or taken big shifts. It's more, I think, growing up in a country town, grew up in sunny Victoria down in Colac, um, my definite definition of success at that time probably was who drove a nice car in town and it, it was around money yeah. and probably um yeah being one of four boys and uh we didn't go on any fancy holidays or a luck but we we had an awesome time as kids but that kind of grass is greener is where i saw success at, at that time and i'd say the the journey has evolve me in terms of what does success look like. And um, again, I go back to seven habits of highly effective people or to Robin Sharma and thinking of the end in mind. Yeah. Everyone, uh, everyone dies with the same amount. Yeah. And it is definitely the journey that counts and enjoying the, uh, rather than just getting from one side of the dance floor to the other, it's enjoying the dance floor. Enjoy enjoy the, the moments, enjoy the little moments and enjoy the big moments. And so for me, uh, success to me is, is that I'm living a life on my mission aligned with my values. And so for me, my mission is being able to have a positive impact on me and the people I connect with. Yeah. That's it. And my values being, as I described before, being an active, positive, generous, grateful, open-minded resilient action taking human and if i'm doing those things and hopefully there's some of the things that my friends will say about me at my 90th birthday <laughs> then uh then i think that's what success is is to me so uh, yeah and so i think uh, yeah I, I suppose for you steph I'd re- um it's probably not something we've explored too much in terms of that definition of success but yeah i'm, I'm curious to hear now what your definition of success is and how that's evolved for you as well yeah, it, you saying that you grew up in sunny Victoria with... Cold, like it was never actually sunny, it was quite cold. <laughs> That's true. 
Well, I also grew up in Victoria, but in the northern part. So it's hot for half the year and cold for the other half. But <clears throat> instead of being a family of four boys and a family of five girls with children, plus mum and dad, obviously. Um, yep. But again, being on the farm, we're sort of tied to the farm and you could only take holidays in winter or, um, you know, dad wasn't able to come watch us compete in swimming because he was working and things like that. And again, like early on in my career, I thought, as you said, the version of success was financial and to be able to afford nice things or go on holidays and things like that. But it turns out it's actually more about the time and it's not being able to afford the holiday financially. It's about being able to afford the time to be able to get away and Mm. not have that dictated by work. Obviously Mm. within reason, sometimes you do, you need to give and take, but as an overall, I didn't want it to be dictated solely by my work and if that I couldn't go away because I had to be present in the clinic. I love that. It's about that, about that choice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny just in the short period of time, how much that's evolved because we actually had a friend of ours was um, helping out with some renovations at home. And so he was there all the time, you know, for that period of time it started six in the morning or whatever until the afternoon. And he, mm. I always felt like I had to sort of justify my success by how f- hard I worked. And so he'd come over to try and chat to me, but I'd be in meetings before work or I'd be racing out the door to get to the clinic on time. And then when I got home, I'd have, you know, meetings after work. And mm. that was because I didn't have admin time scheduled during business hours. And he made the comment was, gee, you work hard. And I thought, good, he's noticed. Like that sort of justifies, mm. you know, how I've been able to do what I have done. But mm. now fast forward even a couple of years and that is not a version of success that I want my version of success to be anymore. I mm. want it to be more about time rather than the financial status as, as you've also noted. I love that evolution. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. You're very welcome. I think Steph, uh, even to you, to your point of potentially once you would have worn that, that, uh, you work hard as a badge of honor, as you describe, uh, yeah. and it really goes to that, I'll say that hustle mentality and really I, I can also say for us, that hustle mentality, we had it as one of our pro feet values. We hustle. Mm. And it was never meant in a uh, a negative, it was never meant from a negative perspective. And we've actually evolved that. We do a review of our values each year as a team and we felt the negative connotation around it. And mm-hmm. not only for our, our clients and our current team, but for potential team members, who wants to come into an environment where it's like, we hustle is a priority. And so we've really evolved that into we are proactive. Yeah, and we are proactive. I think is more reflective of us and, and who we are and, and how we help clients and each other as the example. But being able to really recognize that, I think for you um, and having these types of conversations around higher level outcomes and higher level goals around our life balance is, uh, yeah, is such a great opportunity to reflect on 
what is that for me? What does success look like? And for you, I, I love hearing that, um, that progression for you um, over the last couple of years as well. And also when I was reflecting, when I was doing the life bar design, I realized that my whole life has been about the hustle. So I've sort of been conditioned to that from the moment I was born, essentially working on the farm, you know, you have those really long hours or have to wake up in the middle of the night to check on cows that are calving or to irrigate the paddocks or to bale hay or harvest the crops. So with those time periods on the farm, you don't have a choice. You have to, if you don't go check the cows that are calving at night and there's one that's having difficulty, then you could lose not only the calf, but also the cow. So from a lifestyle perspective, that was normal for me. But on top of that, I also played a multitude of instruments and sports. And so I'd swim for school. So I'd get up at five, drive to the pool, train for an hour and a half, go to school, go to school all day, go home or catch the bus back to Kai where I'm from and then go, go to the netball courts and play or train netball or whatever other sport I had on that afternoon. And so for my whole life, I've always had things on before essentially work or school and after. And so that was just normal for me. And it wasn't until I sort of reached almost that point of burnout when I was studying the MBA and working clinically full-time and running the practice after hours and on the weekends that I realised well, with the help of having the car accident, as bad as that sounds, but I had to physically step back because I didn't have a choice. And that was when I realised that I didn't have to keep on going on that way to be able to achieve because when I was absent clinically, the clinic still went on because we had the systems and the processes in place to allow that to happen. And it wasn't solely reliant on me, which was a nice lesson to learn. Uh, I think there's a, there's a nice, uh, yeah, duplicity about, about that story and about, because part of where you are right now is, is a result of the hard work, effort and energy that you've put in. Yeah, definitely. And probably some of those values that have filtered through from your parents and your family and those other, uh, mentors around you and those people who have had influence and it's not necessarily a bad thing mm. it, it is what it is a lot of that work is, again has got you to where you are now yeah but to your point before around choice it's also now a, a choice and it's being able to have those bumpers on the 10 pin bowling alley to to go what is it that i want and hey it can uh, nudge myself back here and nudge myself back here to focus more on some of these other areas of my life rather than just on my hey 10 out of 10 rating for business and career i get to be able to reflect uh, on some of these other areas as you've already um, discussed. Yeah, and I think also, as we've talked about previously, is putting timelines on your goals. So, yes, you may have to hustle, um, if that's the right word to use, but for the first period of, of cl- business ownership, but how long for and how long are you going to be able to work at that Um, level before you need to be able to bring on other people and then as you said if you've designed it um, with the end in mind then you know that you may only need to do that for three months six months 12 months 
but it gives you a goalpost to say, okay, well, I've achieved what I wanted to achieve at 12 months. And so now I'm able to put someone else on instead of thinking that in that mindset that we're talking about earlier with the goalpost just constantly moving and you never feel satisfied that you can afford or the, the time or the money to be able to outsource. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us today, Shane. It's been incredible to talk to you and for you to be able to share some of the techniques and skills that you've taught me in being able to design the life that you want to live not only professionally but also personally and I hope that everyone's being able to get a few little nuggets of gold and some points that they can work on or work towards from this conversation that we've had. Same Steph hi uh yeah appreciate being being part of the journey and uh in particular, like I touched on earlier, the uh, we talk about the ideal team members um, being humble, hungry, and smart, which is a Pat Liccioni framework. Uh, humble being open-minded and abundant, hungry to me being passionate, caring, and smart being, yes, intellectually smart, but emotionally smart, having that EQ as well. And I think uh, for me, great mentees, people to work with who I enjoy working with most are, are definitely those humans and uh, yeah I, I just want to recognize you in you know the open-mindedness to continue to invest in coaching and your growth and learning journey um, but probably most importantly is your ability to put that into action yeah it's you, you take action day to day week to week and it, and it makes a big difference and we're already seeing that positive ripple effect for your team for you personally and then by extension dental code and for the business as well so awesome work you make it happen thank you i hope you enjoyed this conversation remember all the information we discussed today is my own opinion and should not be considered official business or medical advice if you enjoyed this episode don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future content And I'd so appreciate it if you could rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.